All right. <clears throat> What's up, everybody? My name is Tyler Dunn with Dunn Deal Investments, LLC, where the deal is already done. We're on episode 86 of Goals and Updates. And we have, excuse me, <clears throat> and we have two, uh, I, I believe they're pretty decent uh, topics that I pulled from my list. Uh, the first topic is going to be don't, or I'm sorry, play, like I recommend playing sports. And the second topic is going to be don't crave to jealousy. So what we're going to do, how this show normally works is we go and I update you guys on my life. So that way you can see that all the, all the topics that I'm implementing to you guys, I'm applying in my own life. Then we'll go into the two topics, the two topics I just mentioned. From there, then we'll go into done deal investments and I'll explain my business. And then from there, we'll just, we'll end it. So, <clears throat> so Right now, I'm going to update you guys on my life. So I haven't really had any major, major things happen to me uh, this week. The, as you can tell, I got a haircut. I got, that, uh, I got that yesterday, Tuesday. The interesting part about getting the haircut is when I went in there, I, uh, I got to talk to um, – I normally don't really care who, who I get when I walk into the barbershop. I go to the same place every single time, Pete's Barbershop on uh, Margate or in Margate. Uh, right on, I can't think of the street, but it's um, right by Ace Hardware in Margate. <clears throat> but I go there all the time. I know the owner pretty well. And he recently like updated all of his stuff in, in the shop. He kind of, he's an older guy. I uh, probably like, I, I don't know how old uh, Steve, the owner there is to be a hundred percent honest with you, but he's definitely an older, um, older guy. But he wasn't very like he's not tech savvy, so he didn't. When you when you went there and you got a haircut, you had to pay in cash. He didn't he didn't do any credit card machines. Uh, you ha so every single time I went to go get the haircut, I had to stop at an ATM machine and just grab like twenty bucks. Because normally what I do is the haircut. I think used to be twelve dollars or about roughly ten to twelve dollars. Now it's fourteen bucks, which is still not bad for a haircut, right? Most of the time, most people go and get a haircut. And you're probably looking at like 20 something dollars uh, for a haircut. And most of the time, you know, you go to a stylist. Uh, I know a lot of people that go to like a stylist and get a haircut. I go there and uh, he recently hired some younger people at the barber shop. He used to be a lot of older gentlemen that would cut hair there. And a lot of his clientele are older uh, folks. So I think that's why he didn't really update the credit card machines because most of the people that are coming in there, uh, probably really don't, um, I don't know if it's because they don't use a credit card or I'm not really sure exactly why he didn't update originally the, the credit card machines. But uh, when I go there now, he updated credit card machines. He updated the look of the place. So it used to look like an old fashioned barbershop. Now it looks like a, it kind of looks a little bit like old fashioned, but like updated old fashioned. So he definitely did pretty good with uh, reinvesting into his store itself. Now he has like cable TV in there. He like, he actually did pretty well now. So uh, I'm assuming he's probably doing that to try to update his clientele. So that way he gets a little bit of, um, I guess like younger generations going in there. Uh, Cause like I said, most of his clientele is older, but I went in there and I, and I was talking to um, the barber or the barber, I should say. Right. But so when I went in there originally, it was just me and this other guy waiting for, there's only two barbers when I went in there yesterday. I think I went in there around like 1 p.m. roughly. And there's me and this other guy sitting and we're waiting and both chairs are filled. 
So what ended up happening was both chairs event eventually become free at the same time. And the older guy that was waiting with me goes, Hey, he's like, who do you normally go to? And I'm like, well, who do you normally go to? And he's like, I normally go to the guy all the way on the left. And I said, well, to be honest with you, I don't really care who cuts my hair. I said, if you go to the guy on the left, you can go to the guy on the left. I'll go to the guy on the right. Right. So how many people would have done that? Right. Most people would have probably picked the person they wanted. And if the other guy, if that was the same guy, that the guy would have went to, they would have said, well, tough shit. Uh, he, you know, he offered for me to pick my person. Right. The reason I let him pick it was because first of all, I really don't care who cuts my hair. They're all pretty good barbers there. Right. But at the same time, and I think every single person that's worked there has cut my hair at one point in time. Uh, they have about, I think four or five, I think it's five barbers now in that, um, in that barber shop. But the funny thing was, uh, so I really didn't care who really cut my hair, but I, um, I wanted him to go to the person that he wanted to go to because that's good customer service skills, right? So every single day, even if I'm not working at my job, I'm not working at another, co another company's uh, position, I constantly work on self, um, not self, uh, customer service skills, right? Where I'm catering to the other person uh, I'm catering to the other person because I, I want to, that, that's, that's, if I was in that guy's position, that's exactly what I would want someone to do for me. Right. I would say, I would want that person to be like, Hey, um, who do you normally go to? Or Hey, you go to the guy on the left or go to the guy on the right. Right. So it, it is a little bit, it is a little bit, um, of being nice. Uh, my mom wrote on there. It's cause you're a nice guy, but, um, it's not really because I'm a nice guy. It kind of is. It's about like 25% that, but it's really because I'm trying to work on customer service skills, right? When I go and work for a customer, I need to put the, the customer's needs in place before my needs, right? So that's what I'm trying to do, which by the way, who knows? Maybe that guy comes across, uh, he lives in the neighborhood, right? He lives in Broward County. I might end up doing business with that guy. Who knows? Right. That guy might own a, a home and he might need financial help with the, you know, his property. And I just might be the person to ring him, you know, pick up the phone and call him not knowing. And I might meet up with him and he might be like, hey, you were the you were the kid that, you know, I went and got a haircut at Pete's barber shop and you let me um, pick the barber. And, and you didn't care. And, and you let me go to the barber that I wanted. And that was very, very nice of you. And that it gives me brownie points. Right. It gives me. Uh, points in case like, you know, I ever run into that person again. And it's a very, very small world. I run into people all the time. I ran into some guy at the bar the other day uh, with, with my other friends that I used to work with like 10, 12 years ago. I never seen him the last 10 years uh, ever since like he quit that. I used to work at an ice skating rink and he used to be one of the managers in the pro shop across from where I was working. And I used to talk to him all the time because he used to order food for me. I didn't see him after he quit for like 10 years. And then all of a sudden I go to a bar and I see him again. Right. So the, the point of the matter is it's a very, very small world. Right. Uh, you know, the song from um, whenever you go to like the, the Disney um, actual, the Disney park, I forget which one it's in. I think it's like, uh, let me think about this for a second. I think it's in Matt. It's not Imagine Kingdom. It's in, um, I can't think of where exactly which park it's in, but it's the, it's a small world after all that everyone knows and then they sing it and it's little kids from all across the, you know, the different uh, countries, but it's kind of funny cause it's true. It really is a small world after all. You'll meet people that you haven't seen in 12 years 
and run into them at a gas station, um, a mall, right? Just random places you would not expect that person, you know, expect that person to run into at that place or that even in that particular time. So in my mind, you know, I have to discipline myself, right? I gotta, I gotta get, I gotta get in my mind, the customer needs to come first, not me, right? So that's what I'm doing. That's why I did that. Uh, Toastmasters was yesterday. I go every single Tuesday. So if you're interested in, in being, being able to do public speaking, like I'm doing right now, this is public speaking. So I'm training what, you know, I'm really, I'm training three times a week for public speaking because I do the podcast two times a week. And then I go to Toastmasters once a week, right? So it's three times that I'm doing public speaking. Uh, this, this right here, the podcast would be, you know, a little bit more advanced compared to Toastmasters. Toastmasters, you're kind of speaking on speeches that you want to speak on. But at the same time, you're speaking in, you know, maybe 15, maybe 12 people at a time, depending if it's busy or it's not a busy day. Because sometimes some uh, actual members don't show up. Sometimes we have a full house. Sometimes we have a lot of guests. Sometimes we don't have a lot of guests. So it just depends on that particular day. I mean, I was actually having a conversation with one of the, the people that did an evaluation where um, I, I was telling her basically, you know, I, I love, I love when people, we get new guests, right? Like new people that show up and they're just random people that I don't know because you get used to the same people evaluating you, you get used to, you know, seeing every single, you know, every face that's a member there. So when you get different guests that come in, it kind of get, you get a, you do get a little bit more nervous because you don't know who's walking in. I don't know that person. Right. So you, it gives you a little bit more excitement. It gives you more uh, enthusiasm when you're talking because you have to impress that person. It's a first impression, right? Like I always talk about the first impression is key. So um, I've had people where they came as guests and I, and I did a speech and they're like, wow, you're a really good speaker. Like I talked to them after like, you're a really good speaker. Right. So I, you know, I love guests. Like my, my next mission, one of my next goals, uh, at least for Toastmasters is to get my friend Jimmy and my friend Costa and whoever else wants to go to one of the meetings. And when I do a speech, when I do a, a six and a half to seven and a half minute speech on a topic. I'm going to try to get them to go because I want to get them on the same page. I want them to support me, which they do, you know, by the way, anyways, but I want them, I want to get feedback from them because they'll be, they'll be a little bit more brutally honest with me than I think some of the people there, right? I want brute, I want to, I want people to kind of like hit me in the face with brutal honesty. So, um, I, you know, I want to do that. So I went to Toastmasters yesterday. I uh, got to speak to some people and I ran in uh, to someone that recently has watched the podcast. So I kind of promoted the podcast a little bit because the same person I was talking to, um, I was telling her that, you know, I do a lot of podcasting where I do it twice a week. And she's like, oh, are you on iTunes? And I said, you know, I'm working on getting there where I can upload um, every single video to iTunes, different platforms where it's in different areas uh, like YouTube. Like I want to get a YouTube playlist kind of going for this, for goals and updates. I want to go on iTunes. I, you know, I want to spread it. SoundCloud, anywhere where I can put audio because audio is probably going to be more than video, I would assume, unless it's YouTube. YouTube's pretty popular. But most of the time, people are probably going to listen to this stuff in the car. That's normally where I get my podcasting is when I'm working and I'm listening to audio. Audio is a key element, right? So I was telling her, and she's like, hey, when you get it up on iTunes, that's where I watch all my podcasts. Let me know, and I'll start listening. So that's my next goal for goals and updates. 
is I need to start expanding and start trying to find out how to uh, upload these Facebook videos, these Facebook live streams onto YouTube. And at the same time, I need to figure out how to upload them to iTunes in different places, right, to expand and then get those people on at Toastmasters and just keep expanding and get more people to listen. And then, you know, uh, she'll probably go and tell her brother or her family and, and then maybe they'll listen to. I've had a lot of encounters where I went somewhere and I was talking to a friend and then I was talking to their parents and their parents were like, yeah, I've heard your podcast before, right? I, I listened to one. It's great, right? And they gave me feedback on it. So that's what I want to do. I want to make it available so they don't have to just come on Facebook. They don't have to just come on Instagram, which I highly don't really recommend. Uh, whoever, you know, if someone stops by on Instagram and watches this, I highly recommend you go on Facebook because the quality on Facebook is way better than the quality on Instagram, right? Because I'm using the live microphone. I'm using um, like podcast equipment on Facebook. Facebook is a better platform for it. Uh, Instagram, it's kind of hard. I mean, I, you kind of can get better quality by setting up a mic to it, but it's not, it's not my favorite platform to use it. I'd rather use it on Facebook. It's a little bit better platform. They'll post the videos. It'll stay up on my personal uh, channel on Facebook. And that's what I want to do. I want to create a channel where my videos are constantly there. So if someone doesn't see it today, they can see it a week later, a month later and catch up, right? Or watch a previous episode. And maybe, maybe they join on episode 86 and they're like, Hey, I really want to go see episode one or two. They can go back to episode one or two on my channel. Now, uh, so that's Toastmasters. But the other thing too in Toastmasters, I, I talked to another person uh, who um, I kind of honestly forget I'm going to be uh, brutally honest. Uh, hopefully, you know, if she watches this one, I'm sorry. Um, but I kind of I kind of did forget exactly um, what kind of industry she's working in. But she came up to me. She actually wrote – she texted me one time because, uh, you know, we all have our each other's numbers from Toastmasters. And she texted me one time, and she's like, hey, I watched one of your podcasts and heard about the Dundee Investments. I looked up your website. It's amazing. She's like, I have a lot of cash buyers that I work with, a lot of people that invest in real estate – that would love to, you know, if you have any properties, you send it to them and they'll work with you as an investor. And I said, great. I'm always looking for more investors. It's perfect. And uh, she talked to me yesterday. She kind of stopped, stopped, you know, I was walking out. Uh, I was going to go, you know, go to my car and, and leave. And she stopped me and she was talking to me about how, um, you know, how the business is going, how, you know, basically how things are going. And that if I ever come across someone that doesn't want to, uh, particularly sell their property and stay in it, but they need financial help, that she has someone that will actually do that. So that if I ever come across uh, a person where they're like, you know, I really can't use your services, you know, I can't use done deal investments because I really don't really want to sell my property, I want to stay in the property, uh, then I can refer them to her person or her customer. I mean, uh, not her customer, her, well, yeah, I guess it's her customer, but um, the person that she knows that can do that. And, you know, and she was just saying, you know, as a referral. And I was like, yeah, it's perfect. I always want more options. It's always better to have more than less, right? That's my saying. That's my philosophy is it's always good to have more than less, uh, which is what I'm going to talk about in a second with uh, this one-on-one -on -one at my job. It kind of links into that. But um, so my point to you is the podcasts are working. Why? Because it's spreading what I'm doing, right? And that's the, that's the sole purpose you're going to know who I am, right, by me telling you, you know, what I'm kind of doing throughout my life. But at the same time, I'm promoting my business, which is really done deal investments. 
uh, goal, the goal, uh, goals and updates, the podcast will be another business, but it links in with done deal investments, right? Because that's really what I'm doing. I'm trying to promote done deal investments uh, throughout the podcast. So like you'll start seeing, I'm going to start wearing merchandise. Uh, you'll see done deal investments in this podcast a lot more um, once I get certain things going, but because uh, I want to get a new hat, the hat that I have right now that I, I would wear is um, it, it's kind of like falling apart. You know, it was kind of like a prototype. I, I didn't really like it. People kind of gave me a little bit of criticism on it, which I agreed with. And I want to go and make a better, better hat and better merchandise. So you'll start seeing it soon. I just got to get um, some things in order before I can go and get that. So you'll start seeing more done deal investments. I really like when I watch podcasts and they have the mugs. I just don't have the setup where I have a desk in front of me where I can put the mug. But I do, you know, that's something I do want to invest in. I want to get uh, a mug because I drink coffee every single morning and it's just, you know, I want to see my logo and I want to keep constantly putting done deal investments even in my face because uh, I need to wear the brand, you know, I need to wear my company logo like it's my own brand because it is my own brand, right? So I need to start getting on, um, I got to start forcing, I got to start kind of forcing it on myself as well because it's kind of weird. It's a new business I, I just created and I need to start thinking about it all the time. And it is weird once you've been working your whole entire life a nine to five, and now you're trying to create your own, you know, your own main business that you want to eventually create and be dependent on. It's really um, psychologically difficult because you've been trained for so long to not think like that. You've been trained to think, you know, I got to go to a job and work for someone else. It's a little bit weird, but so that's that. Uh, I did a one-on-one -on -one today, which for anyone that doesn't know, I, I at my job, my full-time job right now at this warrant, uh, warranty company, Cross Country Home Services, we do one-on-ones. We do meetings and one-on-ones. One-on-ones are if I get coachings where someone tells me I did something wrong, it went to the wrong department, I could have done this better. It goes to my manager and my manager sits me down and does a one-on-one. -on -one. We go over uh, my adherence, which is you know clocking in on time, clocking out. Uh, we go through productivity. I'm supposed to hit a certain amount of numbers um, with email responses for what they call doc review for like reimbursement uh, for a customer, which is called like owner co and sat me down. And she, uh, the one thing that I think I got on the one-on-one -on -one was just, it was, I sent an email and the email got kicked back. It wasn't the proper email. And she said, it's not your fault. There's no way for you to have, to have known that it tells me, or it shows up in this one spot, which we check once in a while. And she's like, I just so happened to check it. And it kicked back the email because the email was wrong. But um, when I went and looked it up earlier that morning, the email was was not correctly spelled in the in the service job. So it wasn't really my fault. But um, she was, you know, she wanted me to, you know, obviously respond back to the customer with the right email, change it in our network, and so it's right for the next person that gets to it. But um, that was really it. And she, you know, I got like a hundred and I think it was a hundred and one or a hundred and two percent for, I think we went over the month report. I get confused. There's so many, um, there's so much data they, they kind of throw at us that, you know, I ask her a lot of questions sometimes, but they throw so much data at us that sometimes I kind of get confused. What's what it's one of those jobs where they're constantly trying to throw data at you. But I think I'm pretty sure it's for the month. I, I qualified for, uh, for a $150 bonus though for the month, which I'll get next paycheck uh, in like two weeks, but which I know I'm going to get every single time. Uh, it, all it is, is they give you 150 if you, you know, work a hundred percent of your hours 
and your adherence is at 95% or above, I believe. So she was going over and she was like, you did well, you got this, you'll get the 150. And then if you want to get another 150, you have to get productivity to like 120%, which is very, very difficult, especially since I'm doing a lot of off phone time. I'm making a lot of cold calls to uh, service providers, trying to get W9s, trying to help them out wherever they can. And I was having this conversation with um, my mom earlier and I was talking about how uh, I think some people get the, the productivity because they rush through it. They just, they just try to hit the number really fast. And I, you know, I, I really think it's a flaw within this company when they, when they, um, they try to do the one, you know, the 150 for trying to get 120% productivity and above, because what happens is people are like, Oh, I need five more emails in 30 minutes. So what they do is they rush and they just try to submit things really fast and then things get jumbled up and the customer suffers because the employee is trying to get that extra 150 and the customer suffers and the business in general suffers too because customers not satisfied with the service. Uh, they're going to cancel. They're probably not going to renew their warranty and you know, it, it comes back on the business as well. But um, I, the idea is nice. I think they should just kind of change it. I don't think it should be 120. And I'm telling you, it's very, very hard. That's why I think they do it because they know if they lowered it, a lot of people would be getting an extra 150. They'd have to pay more people out. So they'd lose more money on it. But, you know, that's something that I think. That's my opinion. But um, so I don't make the one, you know, I don't make that extra. I've never hit that 150 yet. That extra, you know, 300 in total. I've never hit that yet. My goal is to eventually get there. But right now, I'm just trying to take on more tasks. The more I can do, that's what we were talking about in this one-on-one was um, she was like, you know, do you have any, you know, have any concerns like to get your numbers up? And I was like, uh, you know, the, I don't have any concerns. I just want to keep on growing. I want to keep on developing with you. Whatever you need, you let me know. And I'm just going to keep working as hard as I possibly can to get what you need done. Whatever you need me to learn next, you let me know. And I'm going to work on it because she recently gave me uh, what they call claim response, where it's if a customer makes a decision between repairing an um, repairing a appliance or um, getting like a reimbursement, like a uh, claims credit, which is where we just buy, we just send them a check in the amount that we were going to just replace, you know, the replacement um, amount basically, and they can go and buy whatever they want from like Sears, Home Depot. Uh, basically any store, any way online if they wanted to, and they just receive money and they go and buy it. And then they just have someone replace it. But um, I was telling her, I kind of go a little bit slow on that. I don't think I meet my numbers every single time because it it's one of those things where if I mess up, I lose the company money and I lose uh, the customer time on the, you know, on the actual replacement. Or, you know, if I mess up and I say, Hey, we're doing a replacement. We're not doing a, a claims credit, and they really wanted the claims credit. I just cost I just cost our company money from a restock fee, right? A thirty five percent restock fee. So you know I don't want to do that. I don't want to cost, and then I cost the customer time because now it's delayed. Now they have to wait maybe three weeks for us to recollect the um, the equipment, and then we have and then resend the checkout, right? Or send a checkout. So. I, you know, I don't want to do that. So I'm trying to make sure I get it right. So when I start getting my speed up, I'm not, I'm not really losing. I'm not really making a lot of mistakes along the way. That's what I was trying to explain to her, but what she understood. 
Um, and, and she was talking about other things too in this one-on-one where she was saying, uh, you know, I eventually want to get you to maybe denials or I want to get you into this. And she's like, we'll just keep working our way up. Now, the one thing I did want to mention, which was, um, I said previous before I was talking about the one-on-one and I was talking about Toastmasters and I was telling you about, you know, I'd rather have more information than not enough information, right? I'd rather have more abundance than less. Why? I can't really work with less. I can work with more, right? So that's what I was telling her in the one-on-one, which is really ironic how everything kind of looped in together. But I was telling her in the one-on-one, I was like, uh, you know, I, you know, I appreciate all the stuff you're giving me because you're, you're giving me more information. I'm learning more within this company and you're, you're doing a lot to try to help me get more information. And I said, I appreciate you giving me more, not less. Right. And that's what I told her. I was like, you know, I'd rather have more than less. And she was like, exactly. She's like, the more information I can give you, the more updated you'll be. Uh, Cause there's also something I was talking to her about. I had this issue where I called a cust. I called a um, service provider, and the service provider, as soon as they want us to start doing, when I go to try to collect the W nine, so we can directly pay them if the work is completed. So I kind of take out a step for someone else, uh, which I believe I don't know which department I really help out when I do that, but I think it's authorizations department. But when I ask them if the work is completed and they say yes or no, it gives extra information to that department and it saves them time. They don't have to call a service provider and be like, hey, did you complete this work? I already have that information when I made the call originally, right? So I understood that. So I was telling her, I understand that you want me to do this. But I had this one customer when I did say, did you complete the work? They got all bent out of shape because they said, no, we didn't complete the work. We're waiting on, and he started giving me all this information. And I was like, I really didn't. I didn't know the answers because it's more of a authorizations department type of in, like authorizations, a different department would actually know. So I told him, you know, um, when I, when I sent him the email, cause he was busy, he was working on a job. When I sent him the email, I'll just, I told him I'd put the authorizations department's phone number in there and he can call them and they'll give him all the answers accurately to his, uh, his questions. And she's like, that's perfect. And she was like, but you could have read the notes and just given him the information he needed. And I was like, yeah, but I really, I'd rather him call the department and get the right information. I don't want to tell him something and then it comes back and it screws everything up. I'd rather him go to the, the, the main source and get the information for himself. I don't want to tell him anything. And then all of a sudden when, um, you know, maybe I gave him wrong information by accident, he then goes and, and starts, you know, causes conflict between all of us. I'd rather him just go to the main source. The main source can tell him and then it, it's not really like, it's not, it's not really much that I don't want the responsibility. It's more that I don't want to um, cause delays. Or I don't want to uh, cause the service provider not to work with us anymore because I gave him the wrong information. And now he's mad because he's losing money or we're losing money, you know? So I, that's why I wanted it to do it that way. But she was saying that she really wants me, you know, to sit with authorizations department or someone on calls and that way I'll get a better understanding of how that operation works, which, you know, I, I agree with 100%, uh, which I, I think we've been trying to do for a while. But so that's the one-on-one. Uh, job opportunities. Uh, this, you know, I'm, I'm going to wrap this up real quick. I got two more that I want to update you guys on. But job opportunities. Uh, my mom came to me this morning and was like, hey, there's some job openings. And I'm like, perfect. And we, and we looked. There's like marketing. There's uh, social media there's different elements where I'm like, all right, like I would be interested in that. I have to be with the company, I think for at least six months before I can even try to apply to a different company. 
and try to make more money or move into different positions. So I have to be with them for at least another two months before I can even consider it. But it's, it was really cool because my mom, my mom was automatically, um, what's up, Sterling? My mom was automatically kind of like, like wingmanning me in the company where she was already looking for me, right? Like I didn't ask her to do that. She just looked for me and she's like, hey, you know, you're doing X, Y, and Z. Um, and if you want to go to this department, this might actually work for you uh, really well. So she's giving me uh, information and she's trying to help me progress within this company, which is, which is amazing, right? Um, that, that's a, that's a very good mom. But my point is that, uh, you know, you gotta, this is where I was going to lead into the next thing that I was going to talk to you about, about like building family, how I'm always talking about building family. Like, even though like I obviously didn't build my family uh, with my mom, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm constantly always working on that relationship with my mom. You're never done working on a relationship just because they're family. Right. But my point with it is that I, you know, a lot of things are happening right now where I feel a lot of good connections between people where, uh, like my friends, Jimmy and Costa, I, you know, I've, I've been friends with, um, Jimmy and their sister Stella the longest. Cause I worked with them. His sister was my manager for a long time, like four or five years, I think around that ballpark. And I worked with Jimmy for a while, the same, same amount of time I worked with Stella. I worked with Jimmy cause we're all kind of, we we're all worked around the same, uh, kind of around the same time frame, right? I worked on relationships with them. And then I, you know, I got introduced to his brother Costa and I've been really good friends with Costa. I went and watched like the basketball game with him last, uh, like two days ago, which was, which was amazing. But my point is that I'm, I'm starting to see that I'm building these really, really strong connections. And it's kind of crazy because like people are just helping me a lot now, right? Like I'm, I'm building certain relationships with them where they're like, you know, I really appreciate this person because this person goes above and beyond for me. And now they're trying to kind of help me out in different ways that, you know, are, they could be small things that lead into big things. or they could be very small things that just help me out in general. Right. But the point I want to bring up to you is that I'm constantly working on relationships whether it's family, whether it's friends, whether it's a, a family friend, whether it's just some random person I just met, I'm constantly trying to build more relationships. And it, you know, it's hard too, because when you first start off, you start at, you start kind of talking to yourself, like, is this really working? And you don't really see things uh, until, you know, later on, like, and it's a very, very slow process. So you have to be very patient when you're building certain types of relationships or certain goals within that relationship that you want to get. But the cool thing with me is like, I'm starting to see that internally that people are starting to believe in me, right? Because I'm, I'm presenting myself in a different way than I, than I have been for the last, you know, like 18, 19 years. I've, I've constantly kind of changed. Like I've changed, pers- I, I, I'm still the same individual, but I've changed certain characteristics, right? Like I've changed certain skills. I've just enhanced them. I've leaned into different, uh, different areas a little bit more heavily than I did in the past. So you're just kind of seeing a little bit more of an updated version of myself. I'm still the same. I'm still kind of the same person I was like uh, probably like 15, you know, 12 years ago. But now I'm just kind of adapting different skills and traits. And I'm, I'm, I'm moving into maybe a different path than I was back then. So my certain skills and traits are being a little bit more developed. But um, just like my family, like I have I, – I kind of feel like I have a stronger relationship with my family, which, you know, obviously because, it, you know, we're obviously getting um, into new years and stuff like that and more time has passed. But 
I've really been trying to work on relationships within my family. Uh, you know, like my uncle, I, I feel like I have like a better connection now with my uncle than I did in the past. He's the one that's given me books. He's the one that's kind of, you know, I go to him for certain information on business and he just helps me out. Um, I, I've have like a stronger connection with my aunt. I have a stronger connection with my grandparents. I've always had a really good, strong connection with my grandparents, but I, I just feel like it's, it's growing at a better pace. I always go over there or they'll come here and my grandfather will give me um, newspapers or he'll be like, Hey, I saw this, an ad for this. And I really thought this might be good for you, right? So people are, are people around me that are very, very close understand that I want to go in a certain direction and, and they're starting to believe in me. So they're, they're starting to give me resources and help me in, a, in, a, in different ways, right? Which is, which is you know, honestly, it's, it's a very, very cool thing to see because, um, I, you know, you have, to, you have to kind of fight because sometimes you want, to, you, you want to go in a certain direction and maybe the, you know, those people can't see it and they're like, you know, maybe you shouldn't go down that. Maybe go down this way. And they try to kind of talk you off the ledge a little bit. And for a while, I had to kind of like, I had to push a little bit between, um, you know, certain people uh, just because, you know, I, I saw a vision deeper for myself. So I had to kind of get people on the same page. And it just takes time. So if you're someone that um, is kind of, if you're someone that's really trying to figure yourself out, and maybe you have figured yourself out, but a lot of people around you that are very, very close. I uh, can't, can't comprehend what you want to do, or they think it's, it, it's kind of like an impossible goal. Just keep pushing a little bit. Um, the, the, the thing that I kind of, I think did that was kind of, I don't know if it was good or bad, but I, I kind of did push really hard and I probably should have been a little bit less uh, pushy and I probably should have kind of just kept, you know, whenever someone hit me with something, I could have, you know, punched back a little bit, but um, I, you know, sometimes I was a little bit too aggressive. Sometimes I do get aggressive because I, because my, my issue sometimes is I get, um, I'm very passionate. I have a lot of passion in me. I'm very motivated. I have, you know, um, when something comes up, I'm very like, you know, I believe, like I push my belief because that's what I believe, right? And, and I have a lot of passion for what I believe in because I've been developing it for, uh, you know, a long time now. So I kind of tend to push back kind of hard. What I've recently been trying to do which I've been working on and I feel like it's been working actually really well is I don't, I don't really punch people in the face. What I mean by that is I don't attack them. I don't kind of like push back really hard. I kind of just go, yeah, I understand where you're coming. Cause I do understand where they're coming from. Cause some of the stuff they say, I, I believed at one point. So I'll just be like, yeah, I understand where you're coming from. I used to think that way. And then I'll, I'll, you know, pitch my ideas or my beliefs I'll be like, yeah, but I kind of think this way and I kind of believe it because of this. And I'll just give them facts or I'll give them some kind of reason why I, I shifted my thinking or this is why I believe it this way. And I'll kind of just almost kind of put it out there and let them think on it. And most people kind of come back and they go, hey, I've really been thinking about what you said and it makes a lot of sense and I agree with you now. Like I didn't see that before. And the reason they do that is because I'm not, I'm not fighting back with aggression right? Most people, their instinct is to fight back with aggression. And so what happens is it causes conflict and the other person just doesn't care. The other person's like, oh, he's coming at me. He's coming at me. So I don't do that anymore. Um, you know, at my job, like, like most people know, I'm, I'm a conservative. Uh, most people, especially in South Florida, are very, very democratic, right? Or Democrat. And I think everyone at my job, I don't know if they assume that I'm, I'm conservative or not, but I've had conversations with people where um, I don't give away my position. 
on, you know, I don't really give my, I don't really give my uh, position away on issues if we ever talk about a political issue, but I kind of just go, hey, I understand what you're thinking about, but, you know, what about this? And I push out the idea, excuse me, I push out the idea about, well, what about this idea? And I kind of just hint towards another idea. I don't say, hey, this is what I really believe, right? Unless they ask me. If they ask me, then I'll be like, you know, I, I do believe in X, Y, and Z and whatever. But I kind of just push out another idea. And then I see people thinking about it and they go, oh, wow, like never really thought about it that way, right? And the reason they're thinking like that is because I'm not coming at them hard. I'm not coming back with confrontation. Confrontation only leads to more confrontation. Uh, the biggest key indicator to this one would be uh, Martin Luther King Jr., right? Martin Luther King Jr. was the only, uh, back in the time where, you know, blacks weren't treated as, you know, slavery wasn't really, slavery wasn't, was just kind of becoming um, a thing where it was dissipating slowly, but there was still a lot of racism in the United States, right? That was when uh, Martin Luther King Jr. was trying to fight back, but with words, not with uh, violence, right? And his big thing was he was a, a protester, but he was not for violence, right? He was for um, the power of speaking and words and empowering people through words. And the reason he believed that was because he knew that if he went and did violence upon violence, right? If he struck back with violence and it would just be violence on violence, it, nothing would happen. The message wouldn't get across. Uh, it would just be conflict on conflict and no one would care about the cause. So he knew that he had a fight with words, right? So that's where I really learned that from, because I was thinking about a lot of it, you know, especially now in the political times where, uh, you know, people are talking about racism a lot. It's, it, it's very uh, a political conversation. I've been really thinking about how to come, come at people with different uh, beliefs and how to get people to think differently. And that's, how the, that's what this podcast is really about, right? Goals and updates, right? It's about changing the way you're thinking, po you know, changing that negative thinking to that positive thinking. And that's what I've been thinking about for a long time was how can I get certain people to think a different way without me kind of punching them in the face? Because I'll be honest with you, um, uh, you know, a couple, like it was, I think it was decently long ago, like six, seven months ago, I used to come on Facebook and, you know, there's a lot of political talk on Facebook. And I used to see one of my, my, uh, you know, someone I knew on in high school and they would talk about a political issue that I didn't really agree with. And I'm like, all right, I'm just going to kind of try to, put my point of view out there and just kind of, you know, kind of state a fact and not like I'm trying to like diss them or anything. I just kind of go, you know, go on and make a comment and be like, you know, I understand what you're saying, but um, you know, X, Y, we kind of need this for this or like, have you ever thought about this or whatever? And then they would come back and they'd be pissed. They'd come back emotional. They'd start writing all these ranting things. And then it would be like me going back and forth with that person. And then all their friends would come on and start coming back at me. So it's me against like, seven of her friends or his friends and it didn't work out. And I was like, yeah, I ended up doing it like I think three or four times. And I'm like, you know, this really isn't really productive. Uh, we're just going back and forth. No one's paying attention. And it's just getting, you know, the other, these other people are just getting really pissed. And I'm like, it's not, it, you know, it's kind of making me kind of pissed because like these people are attacking me personally and I'm just trying to talk, you know, trying to have a discussion. That's all I really wanted to do. So I'm like, it's not really working out. So I stopped doing that because it was causing conflict on conflict. And that's when I kind of came up with a lot of this stuff too, where I'm like, conflict doesn't work. Then I started reading some books my uncle gave me. And a lot of it was talking about, you know, you can't, if, um, 
the, the best way to neutralize conflict is to agree. And I do that all the time on the phone, by the way, for, um, I, I call service providers sometimes, or I'll call a customer and I have to tell them the job's denied, or I have to tell them, you know, something where I know they're going to be pissed. They're not going to be okay with it. And they get all pissed and they start, you know, they start kind of like getting pissed and they're yelling on the phone. And I just, I'm just very, very calm. And I go, like, listen, Mary, I, I totally understand where you're coming from. If I was in your shoes, I totally would understand. But listen, th- you know, I'm just kind of the messenger. I have to tell you what's going on. I have to update you on, 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 your, uh, on your account, and I have to let you know on the claim. And I'm like, if you have any confrontation, you have to call, you know, send an email to us. We'll send it to the complaints department, or you can call this number and, and deal with this. But I'm like, you know, I totally understand where you're coming from. I wouldn't be too happy either if I had a, a service rep call me and, and um, you know, I was telling them bad news or they're telling me bad news that I don't want to hear. And automatically they, they come down from level 10 down to level two. And then now they're reasonable. Now they'll listen to me. So now I can give them information and I can try to guide them and I can try to, you know, comfort them. And that's why I do very, very well on the phone. Um, and I get W9s and I get things because I understand the other person on the phone, right? It's not about me. It's about the person on the other phone and what I can do to help them, right? That's the difference between me and the average person on a phone call right? That's the difference between me and that average person in the world, right? So I'm not telling you that to brag. I'm just telling you that like to, you know, kind of give you another point of view or to tell you that, you know, I've I've been changing. I've been trying to figure out a different niche. I've been trying to figure out how to, to change the way that I'm doing things, right? Not what other people are doing, what I'm doing, all right? And I'm just trying to, you know, help change people's mindsets. Now, so that's uh, all the updates I had for you. Um, a lot more than I thought maybe I was going to end up talking about. But now we're going to go to the two topics. So the first topic is going to be uh, why I think playing sports is a great thing. Now, playing sports, I played a lot of roller hockey. I started off um, playing, they call it street ball or street hockey. And it would be, it, I think I was like 10, maybe 9, uh, somewhere. It's it's meant for young, young, young kids, right? that want to start, their parents want them to start hockey young, but they're not old enough to really skate. They don't know how to skate. So it's almost, it almost kind of looks like soccer a little bit, but it's on concrete and you run with the ball and it's a ball. It's not a puck. It's a ball. And at every single, like I go to practice at the, at the, after every single game or practice, my, uh, my parents would get me roller. They got me these uh, hockey skates and I'd, I'd start, you know, I'm like, hey, I want to I wanna learn how to skate. I want to go play with the big, the big kids over there. So I'm like, I want to learn how to skate. So my parents bought me skates every single day after practice, every single night after games. I'd go around for about 30, 40 minutes on skates and just try to get the feel of stopping, get the feel of uh, you know, picking up speed, going backwards on skates. Um, and I ended up becoming a very, very good hockey player. Like I'm going to be bluntly honest with you. I think if I would have continued with it, I probably would have got something out of it. But I probably – could have got drafted into a college and probably got a free, you know, a free ride to college. Uh, and I may, you know, I'm not going to say uh, it's a guaranteed I would have made it to the NFL, but you know, I would have probably had a pretty high chance of doing it. Um, Cause I was pretty committed to the sport and I was very, very good. I was, I was very good defender. I, Cause I could skate backwards very well. Um, I was a very fast skater so I could get back on defense and play offense at the same time. And that's normally what I was doing when I was young. I'd play defense. My dad would coach. I'd play defense, and I'd skate all the way up with the puck. I'd try to make a goal. You know, sometimes I did score. 
all the way coming back from our goalie, uh, our goal post, all the way to their goal post on defense, right? I was just, I was very, very skilled and I was very knowledgeable on how to play the game. And I knew it was all teamwork. I knew that um, if the person could basically stick handle well, or they could skate really well, uh, they would basically have a better chance at maneuvering around people and they'd have a better chance at trying to shoot. And if I could shoot well, I could make the, you know, make the goals. Um, but it really came down to teamwork. And that's why I really think at, you know, my parents did that very, like, extremely well. My parents did a very good job at, at getting me and my sister into sports very early uh, in our childhood. And I, I really believe that that has caused me to probably be the person I am right now speaking to you because sports taught me a lot of different things. Sports taught me teamwork. It taught me um, that, you know, you have to be a little bit of uh, self-reliant on yourself because, you know, maybe your team isn't that, that great, right? Like I had, when I was playing and my dad was, uh, you know, coaching me, I had a team where they, no one could really skate and all the other teams would outskate us. Uh, but because I was a good skater, I was able to kind of hold them off defensive wise and then try to get other people to score. And I'd actually get certain people to score on our team because I was able to, you know, skate really fast up with a puck, stop the person, you know, and then skate all the way fast up. Uh, I kind of went backwards, but it's probably dyslexia kicking in. But um, skate all the way up, and then I'd pass it to someone, and they'd score, right? Uh, so I'd be able to fake people out and pass it, and then the other person would be able to have an open net, and they'd score. And the the cool part about it was um, I learned at that time, like, sometimes you have to be self-reliant. But the biggest thing I learned was teamwork right? That's every single sport. No matter what sport you're in, there's always a team, right? And whoever can play the most competitively within the team, right? Within that physical team effort will win the game, right? So, um, and I had experiences before where, uh, you know, I recently started doing some pickup games in basketball with my friend Jimmy and Costa, and then they take their, uh, their nephew with us and we just get a bunch of people to meet us, like different people within his family, different people like outside. If we ever run into someone and we're like, Hey, you play basketball, you want to play. And we, we just get a pickup game going. Uh, it's normally between like, um, it's normally between his family mostly, but we've played pickup games where we just were outside and we just saw someone and we played a pickup game with them. But, um, the point that I'm trying to make is, um, I, I remember one time I, it was me, their nephew, and then their nephew's friend. And it was, my friend Jimmy, Costa, and someone else, and they would whoop us. And I couldn't – I was fast enough to get the rebounds. I was fast enough to kind of do things, but I would pass the ball, and they wouldn't pass the ball, right? So what happened is they'd, we'd, keep making, we'd keep going for the shots because I'd pass it to them. They'd try to shoot. They'd miss. Uh, then the other team, you know, Jimmy, Costa, and all them would get the, the ball, and they were a really good shot. They had, they're, they're not so much fast. They're just very, very skilled at shooting. So they would pass the ball to the person across. That person would make the shot, right? So what ended up happening was um, Jimmy told me at the end, he's like, you know what your problem was? And I go, yeah, we didn't pass. And he goes, yeah, he's like, you guys didn't play as a team. Me and Costa kept passing, and we outplayed you guys. And then he's like, um, we, you guys got tired, and you couldn't keep up because we just kept passing and passing and passing. Once you got tired and you stopped guarding us, we took the shot. And, and you gave it to us. And he was like, it's, it's all about teamwork and for someone, right? Um, there's a lot of people you work with that, you know, oh, I'm, I'm a solo person. I don't want to work with anyone. 
um, oh, I want to, I want to own my own company and I, I don't want to work for anyone. Uh, you know, even if you own your own company, you're going to have to work with people. Like, even though like, let's say you're the boss of your company, you're still going to have to have people on your team. You're still going to have to be a team player. You're going to have to sacrifice, right? So when these people say that, they don't really understand what a business uh, is. Because even though you're working for yourself, you might actually still be working for other people. You might do a partnership with someone. You're still working for someone else at that point. Um, you, might, you, you might do like referral, like a referral service. Kind of what um, the one person at Toastmasters was telling me. Hey, if you, you, know, you come across someone that doesn't want to sell, you refer them to this person. This person will pay you a referral fee. So you'll still make money off it. But my point is it's all teamwork, no matter what you do, right? Family is all teamwork, right? Marriage is teamwork. Sports, you want to win in life, it's teamwork. You have to have a team to win in life. You work for a business, you have to work with employees. You have to work together as a team to get to the ultimate goal, which is maybe to make a sale, maybe to go and pick up the phone and, and work together to get information and paperwork so you can process a payment. This is what I do with the, the one kid that sits, sits next to me, which is David. Right? Me and him work together on a call list. I go, hey, David. Did you update the call list? Yeah. Where do you want me to start and where do you want me to end and where are you going to start and where are you going to end? Right? I have questions. I ask David. David has questions. He asks me. Right? We work together. It's one unit. There's two individuals working as a team as one unit. Right? So, Pete, you know, and, and I, you, you hear it a lot where people are just like, you know, I wish I could go on an island and not be around people. I used to, I, you know, I used to do that stuff too all the time. He's like, you know, I really hate, when I worked at the ice skating rink, I got the same people over and over. We didn't have different people. We had the same clientele. Uh, our clientele was normally wealthy, stay-at-home moms. Uh, they were normally, you know, watching their kids, and they'd take their kids to uh, ice skating, uh, figure skating practice. Very, very wealthy people. And, they, and then the dad would come once in a while, but the dad would work, and he was the one that was making the money, right? Which is nothing wrong with that, by the way. But the point that I'm trying to make is we'd get the same people over and over and the moms were the worst customers you could ever have because the moms, uh, they just, they just had the money to buy whatever they wanted. So they're just like, Hey, um, you know, just give me that. I don't really care. I'll pay more money. Right. But they wouldn't say it nicely. You had some, some of them were pretty nice, but most of them were really rude. And the worst part was the next day you saw them the same day at the same time. And that, and, and that was five days a week. Right. So it, it, it was really challenging to deal with those people because you saw the same people over and over and over and they, they were really rude and you couldn't, you know, you, you had to work um, and you had to help them out the best you could. But um, it's, it's all teamwork, right? So I had to, you know, I had to work with my manager sometimes and be like, hey, this person really wants this. Can we do it for them? Uh, or I had to work with the line. Sometimes the line or the cook didn't want to do what they, what the customer wanted to do. And I had to persuade them to go and work with me to do it. I'm like, listen, man, you know, this person's not going to be mad at you. They're going to be mad at me. But I'm like, if you want me to do something, I'll help you out. So I had to negotiate with that person, right? And I had we had to work as a team. Um, but the getting back to the sports part, um, it, when you're watching basketball games, the, the one thing that I noticed was uh, the last game I saw, which was the, the, Golden, uh, the Golden Gates, I think it's Gates, it, you're probably going to, I'm probably going to mess this up because I don't watch basketball really at all, and the Raptors, right? Uh, the Raptors could have won that game, that second game they played. The game that I watched, 
they could have won that second game. The problem was they weren't playing as a team and they weren't making the shots, right? That was the biggest, biggest flaw they had. They weren't working as a team to make the shots. They're just throwing shots up and they didn't make any of the shots. They missed probably towards the end of the last uh, fourth quarter. I think they missed about maybe 25 to 30 shots where if they would have sunk it, they would have won the game. They would have outplayed uh, the other team, but then the other team took it and would make shots and, and they outplayed the Raptors, right? Uh, but they were playing more on a team-based level. They would pass around more. Uh, they would, you know, they'd play more as a team rather than single person. And then the Raptors would play kind of like, play a little bit on a team level, but they would kind of like try to take more shots, which I'm not saying is the wrong move, but they should have played it a little bit better where uh, they were probably playing more as a team and maybe got closer shots. If they knew the three points weren't really working, maybe play a little bit more aggressive as a team and get closer in there and make more two-point shots rather than three-point shots. That's my point that I'm trying to make. But um, so that's playing sports. But I, I highly, highly, highly recommend that you play some type of sports just because the element that it gives you. You have to take orders from someone. There's a coach. Uh, you have to take orders from the coach. The, co- uh, the coach is going to criticize you. So you're going to take uh, constructive criticism however you take it. You might not like it, right, because you're going to be pissed because – I got pissed sometimes at my dad when he was coaching because he'd be like, Hey, you got to go do this. And I'm like, I'm trying, I'm trying. Like I I can't like, right. And he's trying to push me, but I'm also getting frustrated because I'm trying to push myself at a a certain point. And he's trying, and like, I I would take it as like, Oh, he thinks I can do this. And I can't like, I'm trying so hard and he's pissing me off. Right. Uh, So there's times where I used to actually, um, funny enough, I used to yell at my dad. I'm like, I'm like, dad, you got to stop telling me stuff. I'm like, I just got to let me do what I got to do. I I can't, like, I can't do what you want me to do. Like, you're kind of just frustrating me right now. So I, and I, you know, I'd have to tell him that. Um, But, you know, he was in the right. I was in the wrong. It's just because you're, you're, you're trying so hard and the stress is so real and the pressure that you get frustrated. So like the, the the only thing you can think about is just to tell the person that's telling you stuff to knock it off. Right. But, um, but that, that caused me to learn constructive criticism. When I go in on -on one-on-one, I never, ever, ever, ever say yeah you know i don't think i'm 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 wrong on that even if i know i'm probably not really you know even though that i probably am right i tell my boss yeah i totally agree with you i probably should have done that next time why because it, i'm i'm taking in cr- like the constructive criticism cuz she's not doing it to be you know an a hole she's doing it to make me better as an employee right she's trying to she's trying to correct my mistakes so you know, when I go in there and I, and I listen and I write the notes down and she's like, Hey, you're, you're putting this in the wrong job. And I write it down on my notepad and I go to the next one-on-one and she's like, Hey, everything's good. You didn't do anything bad. And she goes, congratulations. Good job. Gives me a high five. And I go, you know, and then I, and then I tell her, I go and I say, yeah, it's because you're, you're doing a good job. giving me the feedback. And I'm just trying to really just listen to you and, and not do the same mistakes that you're telling me not to do that I'm doing. And I appreciate that, right? So I'm telling her I'm appreciating her telling me the constructive criticism. I, you know, I don't call it constructive criticism when I'm with her, but I, got, I appreciate you giving me the feedback, right? I want her to understand, yeah, you can talk to me. There's some people within my organization where um, they're training me at one point and they go, I'm, I'm doing something, right? And I'm looking through the notes and the person that's sitting two seats down messed up, Right? And the trainer goes, oh, that person messed up. And I go, oh, really? And I'm like, 
shouldn't we tell them? And, and they, and she goes, no, we'll just correct it ourselves. She's like, if we tell, if we tell that person that they made a mistake, they're going to get bent out of shape. They don't take criticism too well. And I'm like, then how the hell is that person ever going to learn? They're going to keep doing the same mistakes. And then I, you know, once I got out of training, I started seeing the person make the same mistakes over and over and over again. And then, you know, she, you know, then she would get called out by a higher up and wouldn't understand why. And it's because we weren't a team. We weren't a team to that person. We, we, we didn't go up to that person and go, Hey, like, I'm not here to, you know, throw dirt, you know, dirt on your, on your glory, but I'm just trying to, you know, help you out here. And, and I don't want to see you make the same mistakes. Right. She, the person was too scared that that person or didn't want to even consider telling the person because they thought the person was going to come back and it was going to cause conflict. Right. How does that person grow? That's not teamwork. That's that, that individual that trained me was selfish and didn't want to go and help that individual as a team. Right. So teamwork is the most important thing, which, you know, I'll probably, you know, probably talk about teamwork in another segment, but, uh, Sports is probably the most important factor that you'll have throughout your life that you'll carry throughout life. Now, we're going to go to the next one, which is don't cave to jealousy. Uh, this is the, the ugliest thing I've ever seen, which is, uh, which is jealousy. And I, I've had it before. I still kind of get a little jealous sometimes, but I'm just very, very good at, at catching jealousy and flipping it basically in reverse. But I've had girlfriends where, you know, I, I would talk to someone else and this is very, very common uh, between men. Uh, they'll go and talk to, maybe it's a coworker and maybe they have to keep in contact for work or they have to, you know, it's a client, right? And they have to go do business with that, that client and it just so happens to be a female, right? It has to be a female. And, and, the, and the person, the person would be, would be, uh, you know, like offended, right? Like that girlfriend would be offended. And so I've had, uh, you know, I've had that happen to me before where uh, a girlfriend was very, very jealous, right? From me talking to, to, to another, another girl because of, of business or uh, of some sort or another, right? And that's, that's jealousy. And I tried to pit, I tried to actually point that out one time to, um, like my, like my recent ex-girlfriend where I was like, you know, she's getting pissed. And I, I was talking to a friend, like someone that I've been friends with for like five or six years. And like, you know, nothing, you know, nothing has ever come into that as, as forming a relationship. It's always been just friends. It's a friend's basis. Right. And I was trying to explain that to her and she got really, really jealous and she'd freak out and, and say all this stuff, which is very, very common. And, and it, it's kind of on both sides too, by the way, it's not really just women women and men, uh, men do it a lot too. But, um, and you know, it's kind of, you, you should be, you should kind of be skeptical, right? It's normal to be skeptical on what's kind of going on. You want to be informed. You want to know what's going on with the other person. Uh, you just want to be careful that you're not pushing at an extent where like your, your jealousy is overtaking you right? It's okay to ask your partner questions, ask them, you know, who is this person? What's kind of going on? Um, you know, why do you, you know, ask them questions. That's fine. But when you overstep your boundaries and lead into, uh, you know, jealousy, which I, you know, happened to me originally when I was dating my first ex and she'd be talking to people that, you know, um, she was friends with, but ended up 
being, I think, at one point or another was uh, in a relationship or whatever. But I ended up, you know, and that and it cost me a lot of stuff within that relationship because I got I got too jealous. I overthrew. Um, I pushed I pushed a little bit too hard. Right. I, I overstepped my boundaries because of jealousy. And at the time, I didn't really understand jealousy at, at a certain extent. But, um, you know, it cost me a lot of things. So you want to be very, very careful with uh, with jealousy. Right. So I'm just trying to get this off. Um, but jealousy is, you know, it's if you've ever seen and everyone's seen someone that's been jealous before. Right. Like your friends, family. It's the, it's the ugliest thing that you'll ever see someone um, go through when they're very, very jealous about something. Uh, I sometimes get jealous uh, when I hear someone get promoted and I'm like, I don't understand why that person got promoted. That person didn't do anything, right? Like I've worked seven times harder than that person. I don't understand why that person's going to recognize. Uh, you know, maybe you'll hear someone like, I stopped kind of going on social media because I'd see someone post them traveling all the time. And I'm like, you know, I'm working, I'm working hard. I don't travel a lot. Why does this person get to travel and I don't, right? So your mind automatically kind of does that. Your mind automatically uh, compares yourself with someone else, which is my common flaw, is I'll compare myself to someone else. But I used to kind of do that a lot. I don't really do it too much now. Sometimes I'll, 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 um, I'll talk to someone that was like someone that I was friends with in the past or I've you know, I went to high school with or college or, you know, something. And I see that maybe, you know, it looks like they're doing better than me. And I'm like, you know, I'm working so hard and this person's doing better than me and like, doesn't look like they're doing much. And that's, you know, that's jealousy, right? Believe it or not, like that's jealousy on my end. Um, and so what I tried to start doing is I tried to uh, kind of get myself away from the personal social media where I'm not constantly on there looking at feeds unless it's business related. And I started kind of substituting my personal social media uh, stuff for business, right? So I tried to flip it. So I'm doing business and I'm focused on business goals within social media, not personal, where I'm just going on there, you know, posting a little bit about myself and just looking at what other people are doing. Because that's when I, that's when I realized I'd get, um, you know, jealous about other people is when I just go on there for personal use and go through the feeds. And so I stopped doing that. But um, I, I saw it a lot with... Uh, like I said, my ex-girlfriend, uh, my mom sometimes kind of does it too. Everyone does it, right? But you want to catch it. And the best way I can try to get you to catch it is just you got to start paying attention to yourself. You got to pay attention to the behaviors that you're doing. If you ever have a negative thought, like that's what this whole the whole goals and updates is for. If you ever have a negative thought, because jealousy is all negative, right? It links into negativity because then you get jealous, get pissed, you get frustrated. And then it comes back on you and you start, you start beating yourself up because you're jealous of someone else. So it's, it's all negative thinking. So if you ever come across uh, some type of negative thought on that, you got to try to catch yourself. You got to try to get into the, um, you got to start trying to catch your behaviors and start learning about how you're thinking and how, why you're at, you know, you're reacting a certain way. That's how you kind of catch jealousy. It's how you kind of fix jealousy. Now, um, I kind of want to give you another example on jealousy. I'm trying to think of something that I, that I kind of had. Uh, I want to give you a good one. I don't want to kind of give you a baby one. I'm, I'm trying to think real quick. But um, the best one I could probably give you was uh, – I could probably give you one that actually was kind of close where I had a friend where I, um, I worked really hard to get noticed on 
a project. I think it was in school. I worked really, really hard to get noticed on this project. And I actually, I think it was at work, to be honest. I don't think it was a project. I think it was at work. And I worked so, so hard. I'm cleaning, you know, I'm staying extra hours. I'm picking up more time for, uh, you know, people, employees there. Excuse me. And I'm trying to get employee of the month. And, uh, you know, I'm working hard than I've ever worked before. And the manager didn't, didn't give me the employee of the month, but gave it to the person that was, you know, not at all trying to get employee of the month and wasn't really contributing to the, to the job. He would kind of, you know, half-ass uh, every single day. He would then um, abuse the food and then serve it, right? He would do things that, you know, I didn't want to really talk about uh, on here that was, uh, you know, really disgusting. But he would do things that I was kind of like surprised that they would even even offer him, uh, you know, employee of the month. And so I got, you know, I got kind of pissed. And, but, you know, after like a day or two, you kind of realize like, you know, it is what it is. You know, they just give you the employee of the month. They recognize you a little bit. They give you like a $10, $15 gift card to Chipotle. Like big whoop-de-doo, right? Like it's not like they gave him like a crazy bonus. It's not like they, they really did much for him. They just said, hey, good job, pat on the back and let him go, right? So, I, you know, that, that's what kind of got me to think about it for a second. But uh, that's jealousy, right? I got jealous because they weren't, you know, I, I felt entitled. Like they should recognize me right? They should recognize me. Like I'm, I'm working harder than that guy. Um, and that happens a lot. I had that happened to me with, uh, someone that I was working with at um, this new job with this warranty company. I went to a, a meeting with this one girl that I was, uh, that that's in my department. And she's like, you know, I just get pissed because they, what they would do, let me get a little backstory. They give you, um, awards, right? So every single month, I believe they give like the most improved, the most, uh, you know, the, the highest productivity levels, the mo- you know, they give you these certain awards every single month and they call out the people and they, they, you know, they get all the departments together and they try to, you know, get people energized and hyped and they give the, they, and they give the rewards. And I think you get like a small gift card, kind of the same thing I was just talking about gift card. And so what ended up happening was she really wanted the award. And when we were walking go to this meeting, she's like, you know, I get really pissed. Like, she's like, I'm just going to stop doing all the stuff I'm doing because it's not even working. They're not recognizing me. Uh, they, they don't understand that I'm trying really hard. And I, you know, I, I tried to, um, help her out. And I was like, you know, uh, just because they don't recognize you should not make you think that you're not doing a good job. And I said, you know, you have worked with you hundreds of times. You've, you've trained me a couple times. And I said, you know, the information that you've given me is, is pure gold. It's, it's amazing. You're doing a great job. And you shouldn't be, you know, you shouldn't be just relying on them giving you an award in order to, um, you know, work hard. You should be working hard for yourself. You shouldn't be working hard to get an award. Uh, you should be working hard for yourself. Like, uh, you should be proud of yourself for working as hard as you're working. And, you know, I don't, I don't think she took it. Uh, she was kind of like, I, she kind of uplifted her mood a little bit, but like, she's kind of like, yeah, like whatever kind of thing. But, um, you know, later on, I think, you know, it, you know, eventually that stuff sits because what happens is once I feed you information like that, at first you're like, yeah, whatever. It's easy for you to say, right. Cause you're not, in, you're not, cr- you're not in the crosshairs. And then what happens is you normally sit and you think about what that person said to you. And that's when you start waking, waking up and start going, yeah, you know what? You're probably right right? When you think on it for a couple of hours or a day or two and you, and it, what I'm telling you resonates and you're like, oh yeah, you know what? He's probably right. Like I, now I see it. Now I see it. It's in front of me now. Like I see this now. Right. So 
um, that's, that's probably a good example for you. Like I tried to help that person out, but that person was kind of jealous at that time. Right. Um, but the best examples are like ex or not ex-girlfriends, but girlfriends, boyfriends. Um, sometimes family gets jealous. I had one time where I went over a friend's house for dinner. They offered me, um, to go over for Easter with them. And my mom got pissed and she's like, Oh, you're not gonna, you're not gonna go here with us. And I'm like, you know, I go with you every single year. And I'm like, you know, it's not, I'm not doing it as disrespect. I just want, you know, they offered it to me. And I'm like, it'd be a really good, a really good moment where I can go bond with them and go meet more people and meet like their family and do X, Y, and Z. Um, and it's because in my culture and my, in my family culture, it's, it's very, um, we're very, very close. It's, it's all family. It's, uh, it, it's all family ties. Like family is everything. Uh, family can't be replaced in a sense. Um, family is family and, and they come first. Friends come and go, but family stay, right? That's the same. So, you know, she got kind of jealous and I had to, you know, I tried to, you know, talk her in, you know, talk her into it, just, you know, comfort her and didn't go well at first. But then after, you know, I came back and I was telling the stories, you know, later on she was very excited and, you know, she then, and it's funny too, because then she started telling people about it. But the point is, you know, everyone gets jealous. Sometimes you don't catch it. Sometimes you don't know, but you know, the best advice I can give you is you have to start trying to catch yourself when like, why am I thinking this way? Like, because you're going to know when you're angry, when you're upset, when you're, when you're thinking kind of negative, you'll know, right? It's not like you don't know. You just, you know, sometimes you don't think about why. You don't think about the why part. Like, what caused this? Why do I think this way? That's my, um, that's my challenge to you is start thinking about, uh, you know, why, why uh, you're having that negative thought or why you're pissed or why you're jealous or why you're angry, right? Or upset and figure out why. What's the cause? Why? So that's don't cave to jealousy. Now I'm going to do Dunn Deal Investments and we'll wrap this up. So for anyone that doesn't know, my name's Tyler Dunn with Dunn Deal Investments. That's the company that I own, Dunn Deal Investments, LLC, where the deal is already done. And what this company is designed to do is to take a distressed seller, someone that financially cannot sustain their property or just needs to sell the property fast for a cash offer and match them with an investor. So we have the seller and the investor, right? And I, and I create the deal. That's why the slogan is where the deal, uh, where the deal is already done, right? Cause I'm creating the deal. So how this business, uh, or who this actually business can benefit is if you're an investor and you want to help distressed sellers, anyone that wants to sell fast and make a profit, or if you're the distressed seller, which in cases could be liens in your property that are issued by cities. Um, that, you know, maybe you couldn't pay it the first time and maybe it was 200. Now it's, you know, stacked up on interest day after day that you couldn't pay it. Now it's worth a thousand dollars and you didn't have the $200. Now you can't pay the thousand. You're kind of behind, right? So you need some assistance. It's where uh done deal investments would help you out. Uh, you have a, um, you're in pre-foreclosure, meaning you're behind on payments for your mortgage with the bank, but uh, you're hanging on by a thread and you really need another uh, resource where, um, you're not going to really, you're not going to screw your credit up. You're not going to lose all the money tied into the house and, and your house is not going to get repossessed by the bank, right? That's where Dundee Investments would come in uh, and help you out. The third one would be if you have a job transfer. Now this one is maybe, maybe more common than most people would like to think where, you know, you're working, uh, let's say, you know, you, let's say it's me, right? I live in Coral Springs, Florida. So let's just say for instance, uh, all of a sudden I get this crazy job opportunity that I'd be crazy to pass up 
and it's in Orlando, Florida, right? It's in Orlando, Florida. And I'm like, oh man, like I, and I own a property, right? I own a home. And I'm like, damn, I can't, you know, I got to move to that property, but I, I got to sell my house really fast. And they want me to go within the next week or two. And I have to try to sell my house in the next week or two. Most of the time, real estate agents will not sell it that fast. This is a perfect solution where we'll just get an investor on the deal really fast and they'll sell and they'll buy your house instantly. Um, and we'll just give you a cash offer and, and we'll buy your house, uh, me and the investor together, right? Or the investor will probably end up buying your house. But the, the point is it'll help you out faster, right? It, it's another resource to sell your house very fast. And that's another good reason that you'd want to sell fast. Now, the other one is maybe it, you're going through a very, very messy divorce. And most of the time you have to sell the house because normally in almost every single state, I'm pretty sure, like, I'm not sure if it's, every, it's probably not every single state, but at least in Florida, uh, when you get a divorce, everything's split normally 50-50, right? So normally what happens is uh, you'll probably own, if you're married, you'll probably own the home with your spouse or your ex-spouse, and you're going to want to sell the house, and you're going to want to split the profits, right? So you have to um, sell that, and you're probably not going to want to you know, be very, very lengthy. If you go through a real estate agent, it might be long, so you might want to sell it really quick and then just split the profit and be done right? You want to just, you know, try to get through that as quick as possible and just rip the bandaid off sometimes, right? So that's where done deal investments would help you sell that house really fast. And then you just split the profit between you and the, and the ex-spouse. Now, the other one is if you're inherited a house. Now this normally happens when a, um, a loved one passes and you inherit the house and you're trying to, um, you just, you get this house and you're like, all right, well, um, I don't really know what to do with this house. I'm probably just going to sell it and make some, pro you know, make profit off of the house, the equity of it, and just cut and basically cut the losses and, and move on, right? But most of the time, when you get an inherited house, the normally it's an older elderly person, first of all, and they don't really take too good of care of the house. So there's some things that might be wrong with it. You might have roof damage. You might have leaks. You might have mold. You might have um, you know, you might have to fix some, some elements on that house. It might not be in the best condition. That's where done deal investments will help you sell that really fast and we'll sell it as is. So you don't even have to worry about, you know, investing money into, uh, into that property and losing profit on the house. Uh, we would just accept it as is we'd sell it as is. So that's one, another situation we would help you out with done deal investments. Um, I'm trying to think if I missed anything. Pre if you know anyone that is actually, owns like a bank, like a small bank and they have a foreclosure and they're like, we're losing money on this property. We can't really sell it. We can't get a real estate to sell it. That's where done deal investments would be able to help that bank out. Uh, that person that owns that bank or if you know anyone in the bank industry that's just trying to get rid of like foreclosed uh, homes. That's where done deal investments would help out with foreclosure. Uh, we also would help if um, let's say, let's say you're an average person and you're like, I've dealt with real estate agents and I really don't like real estate agents. Uh, right now, the market is pretty saturated with real estate agents. And sometimes, you know, depending on the person, if they're very serious on selling the property, it might take them a little while, right? Um, it could take them up to three weeks to a month. Sorry, these glasses are a little uh, off. But um, so it might take them three, you know, three weeks to a month. Maybe you don't really have, maybe you don't want to wait that long or uh, you don't want to pay these heavy, heavy commission fees. Which, by the way, with Dundee Investments, with the commission fee, the seller doesn't pay Dundee Investments. 
the investor will pay Dundee Investments a commission fee. So that's the cool part about this whole thing is the seller does not have to pay Dundee Investments, right? Uh, most, you know, and that's, that's a big thing with real estate agents is they normally, you have to pay them a high percentage of commission when they sell your home. Uh, that's not the case with Dundee Investments. So, um, you know, that's a, that's a pretty cool thing to think about too as well. So those are the cases. Now, how this works is it's, I call it the three steps to financial freedom. The first step is you have to contact Dundee Investments. So we have the email. We have, um, you can reach out on the website, fill out a form, and I'll contact you right away. You can um, email us. You can, you know, call the number that's on here, which is my personal cell phone number. You can text me if you want. You can go on social media on our Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Uh, whatever way you feel comfortable, you just reach out and I'll, I'll reply back and we'll figure out the, the next steps to go, you know, down the questions I have to ask you. The questions are very, very basic. The questions are just going to be on uh, what conditions your property are in. Uh, so I get a better understanding of the conditions of it. Uh, what's like, what situation are you trying to get out of? If, if you know, if you have liens, are you going into pre-foreclosure? Um, you know, what are you trying to get out of, out of the deal? Like, what are you trying to get away from or out of, or, or what do you need exactly? And then we go into step two from there. So once I get, you know, a better understanding of your situation and the property, we then go into step two. So step two is then I set up an appointment with you and we just set up a time. I go there, I take five pictures inside and five pictures outside. So 10 pictures in total. And then I walk the property and just jot down the guy, you know, there's some roof damage. We might have to fix uh, this wall. We might have to fix the pool. We might have to fix X, Y, and Z, right? And I write down everything on paper. So I get an estimate of all the stuff that, that needs work worked on on the property. And the reason I'm doing this, by the way, is so when I go to find you the investor, which is the next step, I have to send them, um, you know, the property information. So I have to send them the amount of money and the things that are wrong with the property that they're probably going to have to uh, put, you know, put some capital in to get a profit off of it. Uh, I have to send them um, the pictures of the property itself, the outside and the inside. And the reason I want to, you know, be able to send them pictures and an estimate is so they don't have to walk your property. We don't have to get all these different people walking your property and interrupting, you know, your personal time, right? Um, because, you know, I might have to talk to five investors before I, I get someone on the deal. So I don't want to have to, you know, keep having them come to your property and look at the property. I want to be able to send them pictures and an estimate on what needs to be worked on on the property. Now, once we find you an investor, we then go into, um, or we could find you an investor as we're doing this or at the end once we get to the agreement. But, you know, either way, I'm going to obviously be working on finding you an investor. Uh, it's probably going to be during the process when I'm working with you. But uh, once we get all the, once I get, you know, walk the property and set up the time with you. But now what we're on is step three. So step three is now we have to, me and you, the seller, have to come to an agreement. And what, how this works is I go and I run comps on that neighborhood. I get three houses that I can possibly get that are the closest comparison to yours that I've sold on the market recently. And that's where I get the average price. From the average price, I'm just going to deduct what the investor's cost will be to, to put into the property, to flip it, right? And that's the price that we will um, negotiate on. So once we negotiate on that price and we come to an agreement, you also can tell me the terms. Like if you need to stand there for three weeks, you need a real estate agent, you need X, Y, and Z before you can move, then um, that's, you know, that's what I'm going to put in the contract. And that's what we will both sign. And then once I get the investor, whoever the investor is, we'll sign as well. 
So all three people or parties will sign that contract. And from there, um, it's very, very simple. So the seller, which will, will most likely be the person that's watching this, will um, get the cash offer. I'll then, Dundill Investments, me personally, I'll help you out. I'll give you any resources that you need, any contact information you need to get you into your next property, whether you want to rent, buy, whatever you want to do. You need a, a real estate agent. You need an investor, um, not investor, um, in, uh, sorry, home inspector. You need financing. Whatever you need, I can help you to that next step. I can give you uh, some resources for that. Now, uh, the seller, not the seller, the investor will obviously flip the house, invest some capital into the property, sell it on the market, and make a profit. Done deal investments will obviously make money on the deal, and that will come from the investor, not the seller. So the seller does not have to pay done deal investments a commission fee. It will come from the investor, right? Investor will pay the commission fee, what we call a finder's fee, and that's how done deal investments will get paid for uh, the work it does on that deal. Now, um, what I want to do, I'm just going to brief you on what I kind of want to turn this business into so you get a better understanding of, of uh, myself and what my vision is for Dundee Investments. So I want to expand it to a point where I can have different resources so I don't have to give you other people um, like a home inspector or a real estate agent. I want to build it to the point where once we help you out of the financial condition that you're in, we can then help you with other resources within Dundee Investments, uh, you know, within our own organization, where I can then get you to, um, you know, we can do home inspections for you. We can have our own real estate team where they'll go and find you the deal that you want within your budget and your needs. We can then go and get you financing through Dundee Investments. We can then, uh, you know, so on and so on. And this way, I can help other people that maybe aren't distressed sellers, but they're property owners and I can expand to other property owners. That's really what I want to do where I can help more than just distressed sellers. I can help any type of property owner that needs any type of situation, one-stop shop. It's really what I want to do. So that's my vision for Dundee Investments. Um, I think that's everything. Now, if you know someone that does not want to sell their property, maybe they're in a, a very uh, bad financial situation and does not want to sell their property, um, I just got... Uh, information from one of my uh, my friends at Toastmasters who said that um, they they have a partner where if I can refer you to them and they can they can do it where you don't have to not like basically sell your property and leave you can stay in that property and I'm pretty sure um, she didn't really give me too many details I probably would have to call that person up but um, it sounds like what they would do for you if you if you wanted to stay and live in that property still, but you wanted to get out of the financial situation, they'll what it sounds like what they'll do is they'll probably buy your property and you can rent from them and I and probably pay off the difference and um either pay off the difference and then eventually rebuy your house back from that that investor or just rent from them and they'll just own the property that you're living in. So that's what it kind of sounded like when she was when she was saying it. She didn't really give me um, she didn't really go into explicit detail. We kind of were on a tight schedule, uh, so she didn't give me all the information. But that's what it, that's what it sounded like when she was describing it to me with with uh, what a friend could do with the resource. So you know, there is that also that I can help you with. So if you know anyone, right, anyone, it could be family, friends, uh, even yourself. Uh, it's, you know, you don't have to, they don't have to be ashamed or you don't have to be ashamed. It's nothing to be ashamed of. It happens to all of us. Sometimes either 
you know, we take on too much debt. You know, it's, it's, you know, in the United States, it's kind of common for a lot of people to have a lot of debt uh, just because a lot of us aren't trained or, or taught about debt. So it's not, it's not a bad, you know, it's not, obviously debt is not good, but it's not a bad thing. There's always a way out. Uh, my manager always talks about when there's a will, there's a way, right? So that's what Dundee Investments will do for you. It's, it's the way out of the debt that you're caught in. So if you know anyone, have them reach out to Dundee Investments. It's not hard to find us. Uh, we're on Google, right? You just type in Dundee Investments uh, and it should pop up uh, even without the LLC part on the end. So, you know, we're there, we're available, you know, reach out to us. And, um, you know, we'll do everything we possibly can to help you out, your family, your friends, uh, just, you know, spread the word about Dundee Investments LLC. Cause that's, you know, that's what I'm trying to do right now is really spread it, market it as, as best I possibly can. Cause a lot of people, you know, it's a brand, brand, brand new business. Uh, not a lot of people know about Dundee Investments LLC. So just internally, you know, I'm trying to spread it, spread the word out, you know, advertise, get some stuff going. So, um, I appreciate anyone that came and watched this podcast. So this has been episode 86 of Goals and Updates. My name's Tyler Dunn with Dunn Deal Investments, LLC, where the deal is already done. Peace.